0: Warning, this episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru's Hang podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this special two-part episode is Serafin Aguilar. Serafin has so much to say that we couldn't fit it all into one episode. In the first half of our hang, Seraphon gave you an in-depth look into his approach to the trumpet. In this, the second half, Serafin talks about how he put those skills to work to fulfill his childhood dream of touring with his trumpet hero, Maynard Ferguson, his involvement in the smash hit Havana, and so much more. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. So let's uh let's hop back over to the world of the trumpet um, yes sir yes sir um, yes sir <laughs> you have had uh you've had a great career man you know for for as young as you is uh, <laughs> you know you uh you spent uh, a number of years with uh with Pancho sanchez yeah um uh, you were um you were on one of the Grammy award-winning albums, weren't you? Nominated Grammy nominated. Grammy the the
1: nominated. Grammy, the Grammy Award winning was one called Sold Out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that one was right before I joined. That was probably the record before I joined. Uh, but then we did a Live at Montreal, Poncho Live at Montreux, Montreux Sanchez Live at Montreux, and that one got picked up and and was nominated. We didn't make it all the way, but we got pretty close.
0: Oh. And then uh, that one's so you- a
1: live DVD and live uh, live CD. pulled so, from the DVD,
0: yeah, you 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 know, you toured you toured all over with with that band. And, uh, then, uh, of course, uh, the, for, for most people, you know, for, if you're, if you're a trumpet player, uh, especially of, uh, of a certain age, and I won't say what that age is, um, dusty, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, the dream of uh, the vast majority of us was uh, to have the opportunity to uh, play in the Maynard Ferguson band. And you had the opportunity to do that, uh, you know, during during the, uh, the last few years of, of Maynard's uh, career. Uh, which I have to say, you know, sometimes you say, oh, at the end of somebody's career and it's like, you know, that's when that's when they're on the on the shits. But I mean, he was still going strong up to the end. And mm. uh, but you you were at that that very that very last stage, that very the end oh. of the era of uh, Maynard. And um, you two had kind of a, a special relationship, um, you know. So g- can you share some stuff about, you know, you know, playing with the boss and, and, uh, you know, what you learned and, and, uh, what your big takeaways were from your, from your time with him.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was one great run that led right into into him. You know, one, one great opportunity led into the, I was with Poncho, uh, for I think three years. Um, and I went from Poncho to Maynard. Uh, I had got a call about halfway through my tenure with Poncho, uh, were to join Maynard's band. And at the time I, I just couldn't do it. I was just kind of getting into my own in poncho's man. And I really loved it. And, and as much as I wanted to be with Maynard economically, it wasn't the most feasible thing to be, to do, um, uh, because there was this big drastic, uh, disparity in the pay, uh, between poncho and Maynard. Uh, so I didn't take the call. Um, I, I, I respectfully declined it, but uh, once I left Boncho's band, I was approached again by, uh, uh, and I owe him everything, you know, because he he persisted. But Adolfo Acosta, uh, both times, he was like, "Listen." Um, this might be Maynard's last tour. If you ever wanted to do it, this is your last shot. You need to you need to make a decision. And when he put it to me in those terms, I didn't ask. I just said, okay, just give me a little bit of time. I just need to work a little bit, get makes make some money. Because the reality is, is that Maynard's... you didn't do Maynard's job because you were going to get rich, right? You were either. In it for the love or because it was your first touring band? Yeah. And and I was in it for the love of, of, of him and his music and, and what he stood for. So uh, I said, just give me a little bit of time and let me, let me get my, my ducks lined up. Because, you know, uh, I already had a, a kids and, and responsibilities. So I needed to make sure that all of that was uh, taken care of before I left. So like that, I could rest easy, you know, cause there was no way I was going to make enough money to cover my nut month to month. If I, uh, if I just went right then and there with what I was making with Maynard. So that's what I did. I sent in my audition uh, to to Ed Sargent uh, via Adolfo. And we spoke and he was like, all right, you got the job. You know, probably the only audition I've ever done in my life, to be honest with you. Um, I think I did one other one and I crashed and burned, but uh, that's why I don't like auditions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate auditions. Just let me play. I, this showing off in front of a panel, eh, whatever. Not my thing. I, I'm not good in those situations. But anyway, so uh, I sent in my, 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 my CD or my MP3. I forget what it was. And they said, come on down. They sent me a ticket. I went over, flew over. Uh, and I got to the airport. is Rhode Island, I believe, was the the first show, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, if I remember correctly. Uh, I got there it was a small airport, and I just kind of see other people that look like musicians, kind of everybody floating in. And uh, I, I kept, I'm I'm a quiet guy. I don't really talk to many people, especially if I don't know them. So I just you know put my head down. And I got to the hotel. Same people followed me. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I guess we're on the same thing. And as I was getting there uh ed Sargent came up to me we talked and he's like hey listen the boss wants to talk to you wants to have dinner with you can you meet us for dinner in about an hour and uh he says don't worry dinner's on us so okay i'm not gonna say no to a free meal so uh, typical musician right
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely
1: <laughs> so uh uh where put my stuff up uh, came, got dressed, and came down, and I met them. Uh, met them, and Patrick was there with with uh, with them. So it was the three of them: Ed, Maynard, and Pat. And uh, you know, they asked me, "Well, what do you want?" It's a Nice hotel. And I looked at the menu, and I said, "Well, let me get the steak here and uh, and some vegetables and uh, potato." And Maynard immediately cackled. Yeah, he's one of us. Yeah,
0: yeah, you got to get real, <laughs> get along real great with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah.
1: And I kind of looked at him, and because, you know, in your head, we we all know that voice. Even though yeah, like we yeah. might not have heard it in person, we all know it. Yeah, Somebody's done it. You know, so it's like, wow, I get to actually <laughs> <laughs> I just started laughing. I go, thank you. I look forward to it. And that was kind of the beginning of our friendship. I mean, we just hung out and just joking around. They wanted to get to know me. Uh, Pat was the lead player, so obviously he had some interest in finding out who I was and what my intentions were, so to speak, right? And uh, you know, I made it clear that I was there to work because that's what I am as a workhorse. You know, I'm a soldier. Always have had that mentality. I'm not trying to be a star. I, need, I I get paid to do certain things, and that's what I do, and that's that. Whereas other people might come in there with a different mentality, which is what what my understanding was. Why why the why the the need for him to be there to kind of fill me out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, I made it clear, no man, I'm here to support you. I'm I'm playing second. You know, whatever you need, I got you. And that's that. You know, and he's like, all right. And we got along great. And uh, you know, then Maynard too and Ed and you know they just felt me out and we had a couple of drinks and uh, enjoyed ourselves and then we went on our merry way. Mm-hmm. Next morning, got in the bus, boom, let's get out. And that was it. And uh, so we got to we got to our that first venue in that little town. And, um, I remember we, we did, a we did our sound check and, uh, great sound check, you know, read through the charts. I can read pretty well. So being in LA, you have to be able to read being, you can't make a living here without being able to read. So I went in there and I read the book down. So we only did one run through really, you know, just to kind of get everybody on the same page. And then we did the, we had dinner, we did the show. Now comes Maynard And he starts uh, playing Right Uh, We're doing uh, Open up with Bluebirdland And then the next one was uh, Was going to be Dr. Fox PhD Wow I can't believe I still remember these songs Uh, And then we went into uh, (laughs) What is that Frame for the Blues Yeah, Uh, And then we So we got to Frame for the Blues And um, Maynard Starts soloing and he kind of stops, turns around, and he looks at me and goes, And I was like, I didn't do anything, I stayed put. Yeah. And hey! They stopped it. The boss talking to you. And he looks at me and he jabs me with his drum. So he goes, No, stupid, he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me why because he wants you to go up there and solo with him I looked at him I go Are you crazy I, I, and in my head it's like every possible worst scenario is like oh my god I'm going to fall on my face it's not like I suck but it's you know it's you're somebody who you idolize and it's right. like you, they didn't even tell you you know that this is what they wanted well you know as most of you know Maynard takes, if he's not on the road, he's not touching his horn. He won't touch it. And especially during the summer, never, never he will not touch it. So they were coming off of a long break. And um, he hadn't touched his horn the whole time. So it, it was the first few shows, Maynard would pace himself, would just beat himself up until he got back on the horse and got the muscle memory back, and then he was good to go. But that night, he, he wasn't feeling feeling himself. And he really just wanted to put me on, on the spot and see what I would do. So between the two things, he's like, come on. And so I walk over there. And I said, what do you want me to do? He goes, uh, you take the next one. Yeah, yeah. So he, still, he goes and he does one chorus. Then I do my chorus. And then he comes back in. We start trading. And then we go nuts at the end. And we kind of looked at each other like, like two long-lost brothers or something. It was just the, the oddest thing, you know. We just looked at each other like, ah, you know. <laughs> And Maynard was, everybody's, he was used to everybody being very reserved and yes, and you know, or this, you know, or whatever, I don't know, do all that, all that stuff. But with me, I, I was just so happy and it's like, I can't, I can't explain it. You know, I was like this elation to be able to finally be on stage with him and to, uh, 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 it was a, a, like a, a prophecy fulfilled because when I was a kid, I was 14 in high school and I had just got, just got to high school, ninth grade. And and I, the guy that reminded me, I can't believe you remember this, but, they, you know, back then in our age group, we had something called cassettes. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how many people out there still know what a cassette is, you know, but uh, so it, it was, the guy was like, one of the guys in the trumpet section was like, you think you're bad, right? Here. And he laid a tape on me, a mixtape of nothing but Maynard stuff. And it messed me up. Yeah. Messed me up. I, because, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't know that the trumpet could sound like that. I I, would, I grew up listening to great trumpet players, you know, uh because of Latin music. There's amazing trumpet players in Latin music, you know, Victor Paz, uh Chocolate, Chapotin. There's all this it's not like there's not great trumpet players, but what Maynard does is just something completely different. You know, so I uh uh I'm i I'm just so elated to oh sorry, getting back that. So I listen I, I listen to the tape and I just kind of, I looked at the tape, I said, one day I'm going to play with this man. I was 14 years old. I just heard it for the first time. I said, one day I'm going to play with this man. So, I mean, it was just this whole broad spectrum of emotions. You yeah. know, I, I, I get there and now I have dinner with him and I'm joking with him. And now I'm on stage with him, you know, playing in his band. And all of a sudden now I got a solo with him. What the, you know, and it's like, and, and even though he was, had not played for a while, he didn't pull any punches he was going for the jugular, which I loved because we would we would go, and I think that's why he liked me so much too, because everybody was timid around him. And I was like, nah, man, I'm here to play. I, you're one of my idols. I want to get down with you. Yeah, and, and You know what I mean? I'm not going to waste this opportunity to be, I'm here and, and I have this chance to like really get to bond with you and make music with you. I want to take the bull by the horns. So he did his chorus and I did my chorus, then he did four and he started going for it. And I kinda of looked and I was like, Oh, here we go. And I went for it too. And he went for it. And before you know it, we're just like, you know, we're just going for it hard. And it was just like at the end of it, all my I mean, I just like exploded inside. I was just so much emotion. So I just grabbed him and I hugged him. I was and he kinda of looked at me like a little shocked and he hugged me right back. And and that was like that every night. Every every night we do a show, you know, we try to outdo each other not in a pissing contest kind of way, but you know, it's just like, it's just like two friends were hanging out and like making music and just trying to see what the other guy could do.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and that's, that's, that's what we would do every night. And every night it was just a big, huge hug because we were just so happy to do it together. You know? Yeah. That's how, and that's how the friendship and the relationship developed was from that first night and then back down Yeah. and then back down. and And like I said, it wasn't from an egotistical standpoint. It's just that, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I would be a fool to not take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to make sure that you that you're leaving it all on the table
1: every time. And he because he would too. Even if he didn't feel good, even if he's like under the weather, or he was just you know his age and 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 uh, whatever physical ailments he had, uh, he didn't. He would sometimes you know like like barely like get off stage because he was so beat up. But, but when the trumpet was in his hand, pooh, forget about it. He was twenty something years old again. Yeah. You see the fire in his eyes immediately, and I was like, "Oh man, well if he came like that, I got no excuse." Yeah, if he came correct. I got I have to come correct too. I, I have to let it out, let it all hang up, and we yeah. would every time.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and that that's a really interesting uh, statement that you made about you know bringing it and not not from an egotistical standpoint, but you know, just, just pushing it because, you know, that's what you're hired to do. You know, you're yeah. not, you're not hired to come in and, and perform to a, a third or a quarter or 75% of your capability. You know, you're hired to do a job and and your job should be to do the best thing that you can do, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to, to give it your all. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, I think sometimes that's, that's the dark side of notoriety and the dark side of working for someone that that has a, a level of history, um, you know, that sometimes we become too afraid of uh, of pissing people off. And I think that if it comes yeah. from from that genuine place of, you know, I'm not trying to show you up. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to I'm just trying to be me. And um yeah, I talked to a couple guys that, that, that have also expressed that same thing. It's like some, it, sometimes it's hard for people to grasp the, the difference. Between, the difference. Yeah. And, and the fact that, that you can do that and then, it, you know, that, that kind of hug that, that says, hey, man, this is just this is just us. This is us balling, you, know? yeah, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. And the thing is that because I always had my range and I was I, I started working professionally at 18 years old um out of necessity uh and but I I had this ranger ready you know I I I started getting calls to play professionally when I was 15. I picked up the trumpet when I was 11 but 15 was the first time I went out to the union and I just was you know messing around and I had the ranger ready and people would hear that you know they're hearing this kid you know playing G's and A's and sometimes double C's and you know the guys that were in those rehearsal rooms weren't anywhere near that so people would ask for my number and i'd give them my number I'm, I'm 15 i'm living with my dad so it's not like i got my own spot you know yeah so uh they would call and and my dad would be like yeah no i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> you know so he wouldn't let me work but i technically started getting that 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 um those calls at that age, so I had to wait until I was eighteen. But because I had that ability, and the thing is that I've never been. Maybe when I was no, I talk a lot of stuff, man. You know me. I like to joke around. Yeah, you know, I I'll talk a lot of I talk a lot of mess, but I'm not gonna hurt your feelings. Or if something is that I'm doing or saying is gonna hurt your feelings, uh, I'll stop immediately and I'll apologize because that's not my that's not my trip. I don't like to do that to anybody because it was done to me. You know, like I said, I was 18 years old, I'm working and I'm doing my thing. And I, was, I remember this one guy, we were trading, he was in a salsa band, amazing trumpet player, great trumpet player, great singer, great lead player. Like one of those few guys that, you know, that 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 uh, those hybrids like myself and, and others that, that have great lead chops and have great solo chops. Yeah. Right. But he was so insecure that anytime I played anything above him, he would turn around and start dogging me, right? And it's like, dude, I'm not—I don't understand where you're coming from. I don't—I don't get it. I thought we were making music. I thought it sounded cool. Yeah, man. But you know, that's not cool, man, because you know I'm the lead player. You know, you, you're making me look bad. How am I making you look bad? Nobody knows that I'm the one doing it because you have the same chops. And and he kind of he made me really hyper sensitive to, towards the showboating just for the sake of showboating,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, as opposed to like trying to make music. Cause he was like, he had no, he had no reason to be like that, but he was, and, but instead of taking a negative out of it, I decided to just like, look at it as like, well, okay. You know, I, I have to understand that not everybody has a thicker skin as I do. Yeah. and Not everybody is, is as, uh, not as self-conscious as me. I've always been, if I hear somebody, I'm always cheering for them. If I, somebody that I like to how they play, I'm cheering for them. I'm in the front row. I'm the biggest fan, you know, uh, I'm not the guy that's going to be like, oh yeah, he's good, but yeah, eh, that's not my style. I don't like that. Yeah. That's another thing to, that I learned uh, learned too from Maynard was that that amazing gift he had of just being so free with the stage. So many people like like that incident, you know, and he was one of many that I came across in my my younger years. Where it's like, no, 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 I got it. No, I got it. And it's like, all right. I mean, I don't care. Like I told you, I'm a soldier. You want me to play low seas all day? Why would you pay me? I don't care. Yeah. You know, but to think that you're so scared that somebody's going to take your job away that you'll stifle somebody else. That kind of that that's that sucks to, to live in that kind of world. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like that, and you've seen that throughout the years in all the videos. If it wasn't another trumpet player that was you know a hot shot, it was a bass player that was awesome. It was a keyboard player. It was a drummer. Everybody, if you had talent and you were in that band because you had talent to begin with, you were going to get a chance to shine.
0: Yeah, and you go and and, and yeah, I, mean, I go back go back to the days like with uh Lynn Nicholson and. You know, like you know, the the stuff that he was doing, you know, back in that that era, um, you know, Maynard's just like, wow, <laughs> bravo, <laughs> you know? yeah, he
1: was just like he was like in the front row, going, yeah, you yeah. know, he was yeah. like he was his biggest, you know, his biggest supporter, his biggest fan, yeah, and that's kind, of, that was one of the biggest things that I that I kind of reaffirmed and took away from him is his loving, kind spirit, yeah, uh, I never I never came across a human being like that before that was so giving. And so loving and so so open to to you know expresses his his joy because he was a joy to be around even yeah. you know, when he didn't feel good he was still funny 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 and awesome and he was never a debbie downer and there was definitely some times where the it was getting nasty and it could have it could have he she had every right to be like f you guys you know never 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 he was always and and those are things that I mean, more than musical things, you know, I just learned how to be a good human being thanks to him. Yeah. Because like you said, this, this, this industry, it could really mess you up. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of insecurities, a lot of egos, and a lot of thievery. You know, so you could get jaded very easily. And I know I was for a while, you know, just being a working musician in town and dealing with some of the nonsense that you have to deal with the you know go up the the chain of command so to speak you know go up the ladder yeah uh in this working environment that it just it makes you dark you know but this that time that i spent with him really just lifted that burden off of me it kind of took my made me made me want to focus on different things and not the rat race because at that point i still wanted we had those aspirations oh, i want to be this high-end studio player and do all this stuff and, and then kind of after I, i've after Maynard, after my time with Maynard, it reminded me of why I like playing the trumpet. It was because I like the sound of the trumpet. I like improvising. I like playing in front of people, and I like making them happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do that where I was headed. And and I've and I, even though I do it and I like doing that too because there's, there's a certain artistry in being able to do that living in that world. You know, to be able to say a hundred years from now. Oh yeah, I recorded that. I mean, not that I'll be alive, but my kids or my grandkids, like, oh yeah, you know, my grandfather recorded that solo. That's cool, you know, to leave that kind of a legacy. Yeah, which is why I like to do it as much as I do. But I, I like performing in front of people. You know, the the, the energy that you get, uh, there's nothing like it. You know, when you get in a really live audience that's giving you as much energy as 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 you're putting out. It's, it's there's nothing there's nothing that comes close to that with clothes on, <laughs> yeah.
0: and sometimes without clothes too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember your outfits from uh, the Zach Brown band. So, there uh. <laughs> uh,
1: you go. Watch
0: out now. Got them chaps.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> Trying to fit in with all them country
1: boys, man.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Um, so you know when. Like when you think back on your career, which, I mean, you, you're not, you know, you're not done with your career. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're probably not even halfway through with, with, with the career at this point. Um, and, and you're, you're looking at some of the, the different things that have happened, you know, you, the, the, the Poncho, the Maynard, uh, you know, you, you were out with a Queen, uh, Queen Latifah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've done you know, you're talking about uh, leaving your legacy in the studio, uh your uh now your now legendary trumpet solo that, that you uh recorded. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time that comes Whoa. on I'll go, Oh, they're <laughs> Oh
1: my gosh. Every time I hear it I hear coins falling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> residuals, residuals,
0: residuals.
1: Man, I tell you in this in, in this pandemic, those uh, those residual checks are helping. I, every time I buy something for my kids with with those I go Auntie Camilla just brought you this. Yeah. <laughs> so Auntie for, Camilla just hooked you guys up with this vacation. Yeah.
0: So for those of you uh, un, who aren't Auntie hip, Camilla just hooked you up with this steak. Yeah, for those of you who aren't hip to what we're talking about, uh if you are hip to the song Havana, uh and you listen to that that wonderful trumpet solo in it uh, which at first the first time I heard it, I'm like, eh, "Okay, okay, yeah, cool it's trumpet solo." And then I heard the ending, I'm like, Hmm. I wonder if I know this person. <laughs> so you <laughs> <laughs> so started to go off a little bit there, Dan. But uh, so the trumpet Soul in Havana is uh, brought to you courtesy of uh, Seraphin. Um, so I mean, what's what's it like, uh, you know, to to be driving around or walking through a, a store and then hearing your sound coming out of the speakers uh, on something that, that that so many people have heard before.
1: Yeah, it's a little surreal. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, you know. The the whole experience is surreal, okay? I I, I guess we might as well talk about how that all happened because the honest truth is that um, she called me. She cold called me out of the blue. Nobody, Nobody, no management, no nothing. She called me. And me being the dumbass that I am, I have no pop culture sense. You know, so I don't know. I just go in and I do stuff. And then if it happens, you know, cool, whatever. I get paid and I leave. And, I, you know, and I've there's a lot of things out there that I was like, wow. Oh, I didn't know that person was famous, you know. But uh, so with her, she called me. And she's very humble, nice young lady. And, you know, she says, hi, you know, my name is Camilla. And uh, I'd like you to uh, do you do studio work? And I said, yeah, well do you need? And she's all, well, I have this one song. I want to, it's missing something. I already recorded horns, but I want to record a trumpet song. It's a Latin song. I was sure thing. Why not? And, I, you know, I, I gave her a, a, I didn't give her the homie rate because I didn't know who she was, you know? So I gave her a, a standard issue, you know, the union type rate for a demo. Actually, I gave her a pretty, yeah, I gave her a demo rate, I think. I don't remember what that Maria is anymore, but it wasn't cheap. So I didn't know who she was. And, uh, I, I thought I was getting hosed. So he says, okay. I mean, she didn't even flinch. Okay. Why don't you, uh, I, uh um, I, I'm going to call you in a couple days and we're going to meet at this, at such and such soon. So I was like, all right. A couple days goes by and then I get a text message. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm busy doing something else. I can't, um, we can't do it today. And uh, I had canceled some students, some private lessons, some, you know, some of my long timers, my old timers, you know, that I like to protect. I, I usually will not do anything to accommodate them. So I was a little upset. So I called her up and I said, hey, listen, um, you want, you know, I, I, I gave up some some work for this and, uh, you know, I, I I, if you want me to come back, you're going to have to compensate me for this work. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we just, it, we got caught up. Yeah, You know, very nice. Never once lost her temper. Never once told me to go to hell. And I said, well, this is what you owe me if you want me to come back. She goes, okay, no problem. That was a pretty big bill. Now I'm really thinking I'm getting hosed, right? Because it's like, who's going to just take that like that and just, you know, so whatever. So... The, the the next week comes, she she text messages me. Here's the address, so I go. And I do the thing, right? We sat we sit there, and she's a very nice young lady. I, her mother and father travel with her. Um, I got to meet them and talk and hang out with them. They're more or less in my age range. She's a young lady, so it's a little bit, quite a bit younger than me. And her parents are about my age, maybe a little bit older, a few years older than me. I could relate more to them. So I sat there, talked with them. Uh, mom's Cuban, father's Mexican. We got on great. And then uh, she, she says, hey, this, this is the song, right? And I heard it. And I go, oh, that's a pretty cool song. She goes, it's missing something. It's missing a trumpet solo. What can we do? So I listened to her and, I, and I, I said, why don't you just let it play and I'll improvise and you tell me what you like. So I, so she just, the producer hit play, gave me a loop that four bar loop. Yeah, so it's like four bars, right? And he just looped it, and I just recorded for like twenty minutes improvising, and that's really what happened. That's the way it went down. Man. And then she she was like, "Can we do Can we do this one part? I, I like this part here, but I want it to be the trumpet instead." I say, "Yeah, sure, whatever you want." They said Right? She's like, Can you play that on the trumpet for me? Yeah, sure. I played it. She goes, Can you do it a little bit sassier? Yeah. She goes, Can you do it more? You know, we went through like three or four different versions of it. And she goes, Okay, I like this one. Do this one again. And I and I it was the one that I had done, the version that I had done for her. Uh, and that's what became the hook for the song that 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 right there and then they they took a part of my solo that I had recorded somewhere in there uh, and they put it after that you know yeah and and that's it it's literally 25 minutes in and out you know spent most of that time talking with her about what she wanted what the what the vibe was what the feel for it you know because it was just me improvising um and um all of a sudden, she gives you my money. She says, "Here's a, uh, uh, you know, work for hire. So, you know standard stuff that you have to sign when you do these things." Uh, and I said, "Cool." And, I said, and "She gave it to me cash." I was like, "God dang! All right, I like you. <laughs> I'm out." You know, I broke. All of a sudden, I, and I said, "This is just a demo rate. If you if it gets picked up, you owe me some more money." She, goes, "Oh, don't worry." Well. We do everything by the book. All right. Okay with that. So maybe like she said, I'll know within a week. So two weeks. And I so the week past, I, I come home and I tell, I tell my family and everybody's jaw hit the floor. And I was like, what? They're like, you don't know who that is? I go, guys, I listen to Freddie Hubbard. Do you think I'm going to know who this is? I listen to Freddie Hubbard and John Colton. That's, that's about as far as I go into the music and there's when the fire. I don't I have no idea who this little girl is. Uh, and I shouldn't say little girl, sorry Camilla, uh this young lady. Uh so I uh they're like and they started like, you know, showing me videos from I guess she was part of a group called Fifth Harmony or something. Fifth Harmony. There's a girl group that Simon Cowder put together for one of those competitions, you know, they won and they were huge and she was gonna break off and do her own solo thing and they were blowing her up, gassing her up. And it was kind of like I was walking into this alternate reality because at that point, I realized that she was all over the place, all around me. I just didn't know who she was. I wasn't paying attention. But a commercial here, you know, song there, all kinds of stuff. And then I kind of got a little pale. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I was thinking to myself, thank goodness I practiced and warmed up right before I went in and played, you know. And I didn't make a jerk of myself. But, yeah, so a week went by. She didn't call. And all of a sudden, two weeks go by. And I get a call from this lawyer and he's like, just like going down this list of all these things. And I'm like, wait, we slow down. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, who are you? Oh, uh, I'm Camila Cabello's, uh, lawyer. And we need to get your information because we need to send your paperwork from Epic and we need, so we can get your, your release. So we can release the song. I'm like, What song? So that song you recorded for Cabello, it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be released tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay. Send the paperwork over. You faxed it. I signed it. And, you know, they said it like triple or quadruple scale. I mean, it was very nice, along with, you know, points and stuff. And um, I'm very, very, very generous. It's amazing. So fast forward to like two days later, and I was like driving, and I didn't know the whole song because really all I heard was the hook and the chord changes, right? With right. the rhythm section. That's all I heard, because that's all we were working on. I didn't hear the whole song, so I didn't know what the song sounded like. So all of a sudden, I'm driving in the car, and I hear the song, and I go, huh, oh, nice song. And then I heard myself. I was like, oh, cool. And then the next, like, five minutes later, the same song again. I changed the station. I don't want to hear that anymore. That station's playing it. Oh, man, what's going on? Next station. That station's playing it. All of a sudden, I look, I, my phone goes off. Hey, man, is that? Did you record something for Camila Cabello? And I was just getting inundated everywhere from phone calls, emails, because for a long time that song was everywhere. Yeah, you couldn't get away from it. It was, it, I mean, it was in in commercials. It's, I mean, a huge commercial that Mastercard commercial that got released was it for the for the uh, the Grammys a, a year or two ago. The, 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 the huge MasterCard commercial and the, the she's walking and the solo break, it stops and all of a sudden it's just me you know, so it's like it's it's, it's nerve-wracking, you know, I'm just happy that I didn't put my foot in my mouth, you know and play like crap uh, but I guess had I known what I was getting into I might have got to, <laughs> <laughs> I might have got jittery so I think that was God looking out for me and saying yeah, it's alright, you know you don't, don't worry about
0: it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. No, it, it's an amazing, amazing experience. experience. Yeah. But you know, that, that speaks to your work ethic because, you know, a lot of people, whether it's, you know, somebody that, that's playing on, on the level that you're playing on, you know, on the big stage or whether it's just a local, you know, local grunt like me, you know, that you, people tend to want to either play up or play down to the situation, you know, so it's like, hey, you know, it, it's just it's just this gig. It's just this person. They're only, you know, they're only two people in the audience and they they don't bring their A game. And the one thing that I can that I know about you is that it doesn't matter what the situation is. You're always going to just do your absolute best. You're you're going to you're going to bring your bring your talents to the table, whether you think it's, it's for, uh, you know, playing for uh you know a song that's gonna that's gonna be that big or whether it's just a project that that somebody you know some kid is just paying you you know a few hundred bucks to to come and record the solo you're gonna do your best every time and i think that that is a an attribute that we all can can learn from and and try to apply you know so Want to just yeah just let you know that that your your hard work is appreciated and, and oh you,
1: thank you man karma's thank coming so back for you it.
0: man karma's coming back to you
1: well you know um, I, I I I I love what I do uh, I'm so I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm so fortunate uh, and I feel so uh, lucky and blessed that I, I get to do this you know this is uh I don't take it for granted uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, that I get to make a living making music, having fun. You know, I have a career, whereas other people might not be as fortunate as me and, and might not necessarily care for what they do, but it's an ends to a means for them. Yeah. a means to an end for them, yeah. right? Uh, um, this this is it. This is what I love doing. I vote. For the first moment, I got my hand on trumpet. It felt right in my hand. And I just eased into working as a professional musician And every every playing opportunity that I always had and I will probably ever have, I've always given 100%. Whether it's a rehearsal when I was in junior high school or whether it was on the Grammy stage, doesn't matter. To me, they're all the same. Uh, It's an opportunity for me to make music. I like what I do. uh, And and I like that I'm able to bring happiness and joy to people with it. and that's that's probably the biggest incentive, more than, than the lucrative part of it is. We live in such a messed up world that a, there's got to be people in the world that bring happiness and joy to to, to, the, to the to the to other people's lives. Yeah, and and it's kind of like my secret mission in life to to be able to play stuff and see people smile and dance and you know, or somebody hears a crazy note and ah, you know, to see them happy. That's that's that makes m- me feel complete.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, in, in, in in what I get to do, it, it really it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I get paid good money to do what I do. But really, when I see somebody geeking out, when I see somebody enjoying it, or when I play recordings for people and they're like, "Oh, that's cool," you know, that and it's from a completely non-egotistical standpoint. It's not me saying, "Oh, look at me, look at me." No. <clears throat> It's more like me looking at you, enjoying yourself.
0: Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, that's, that's the biggest thing for me yeah. is, is, and that's why I, it doesn't matter. You know, there's sometimes I have friends that are college, uh, sorry, high school band directors. Uh, hey man, I want you to come over and, and battle these kids cages. Like, yeah. I'll be the first one there. I'll go over there and I'll scare the pants off of these kids. And I like to look at them and see them. They do like, but that's what I want. I want them to be like, this is the same feeling that I felt when I heard that Maynard team for the first time. I want them to feel that. It might not be as impressive, uh, but in their eyes, in their mind, it, it, it'll create that same effect. And maybe that'll get them to practice harder.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, and I like that. I If I can get somebody to get into this more uh, and and be an a emissary for happy stuff, uh, then I did my job right. Yeah, uh, I do this thing in, in in February for Black History Month called uh, Jazz Appreciation, Jazz in the Schools is what it's called. And for a month straight, me and my buddies uh, through the union and another organization, we go to elementary schools in other USD, and we teach them about the history of this music from the beginning to the to modern times. And I have the distinct honor of not only getting to talk about our trumpet. And talk about some of the major uh, proponents of this instrument, you know, Miles Davis and Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie. But at the end of it, I get to talk about what my culture has brought to the music, to, to, you know, uh, to jazz, I guess, if you wanna call it, or if you wanna call it Black American music. to tell them about how the music has progressed, but it's still the same. Yeah. From how it's progressed from, from or how it started, you know, with Oye Como Va from Tito Puente to Oye Como Va becoming a worldwide hit uh, with Santana. And how now here we have a young lady in modern times still playing those rhythms. Yeah. And it turns those kids on every time. Every time they see, you know, we go... You know, the through the through the, the, the move motions of the other stuff. But when we get to that stuff right there and I show that I'm able to show that connection from old what they consider old people music to modern music, it flips them out. Yeah. And I see the sparks and I see kids waking up and going, Oh man, that's yeah, yeah. That's cool. You know, they walk out like this. Go, oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. That that's that, that's my thing, you know?
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. Well, we've been, we spent a lot of time tonight, um, but I do want to end, I always end with the same thing, which is a uh, series of uh, rapid fire questions. All right. All right. And uh, this, uh, I used to call this speed studies. This has been renamed uh, the uh, rapid fire round that's brought to us by uh, my good friends and sponsor uh, Robinson's Remedies. So this is Robinson's Remedies rapid fire round. So, all right. gonna, Yep, there you go. It's like living in Compton. Uh, oh, yeah. So here we go. These questions are going to be all over the board. Give me your quickest answers. You can call a lifeline if you need to. Who's the biggest <laughs> influence in your life that is not a trumpet player?
1: Uh, what has started me off on the right path was uh, my band director, Mr. Tony Felice. Uh, he was a man's man. He, uh he taught me a lot about just, just, I have a father, but he wasn't necessarily the most, you know, and, and it's, it's too long of a story to get into, but he wasn't there for me as much as he could have been. So Mr. Felice was a very, uh, is a very uh, pragmatic and very upfront and strong person. Who was able to uh, hone me down from the crazy kid that I was into being more of a respectable uh, person? He's a like yourself. He's a as a karate dojo and uh, is a master at his at his craft. No, I'm sorry, not karate, kung fu. Kung fu, uh, and so he has would have all these sayings on the walls, and I just read them every day. And, He'd point at one and explain it to me. Or, I mean, sometimes when I had to, he'd kick my ass and he wouldn't let me do things. And he would bench me, uh, even at the expense of the pro- of the program, but just to teach me a lesson. So, as far as my development, somebody that I look up to and somebody that I think was, was fundamental in helping me be who I am, it would have to be him.
0: Cool. Sounds like a great man. What is your favorite book?
1: Ooh. Uh, I'm a Tolkien buff, so take your choice. Um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. That's an amazing book. Okay. But, but right now, my favorite book is the Bible. <laughs> I'm getting into it big time, and I love it.
0: All right. Uh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen?
1: Hey. Man, you're getting me. You're getting the other side of my brain here, man. We were exactly. over here somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <That
1: one. laughs> Worst movie I've ever seen. I don't know that I, I'm not much of a movie guy. Uh, maybe The Exorcist? I don't know. Was it was it was, or It's kind of lame.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to be?
1: Uh, that's a funny one. I, I always wanted to be a veterinarian before I, before I found the trumpet, my life's goal was to be a veterinarian. I love animals,
0: okay, well, you know being a trumpet player you, you know you do have to to deal with plenty of horses' asses so uh yeah. it's kind of the same thing uh yes, sir <laughs> what's your favorite drink
1: uh, uh, yeah. I love bourbon uh we're talking about alcohol right whatever man
0: you know. A drink is a drink.
1: A drink is a drink. I love red wine. Um, and
0: right, to, let's go back to that bourbon. So, if you're gonna drink a bourbon, what what's your go-to bourbon?
1: Uh, Noah's Mill. Actually, Booker's right now.
0: Booker's. Okay. Bookers. Yeah, book, book,
1: booker's. Booker's. Booker's, is booker's and and Booker's and a daily. My daily go-to would be like, I'm simple man. Wild Turkey One Hundred One.
0: One Hundred One is a good price performer. It, it, right, so I'm, it's, it's
1: a price point thing at that point because yeah. you know it's like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, and it and it tastes good enough. But if I really want to sit down and like enjoy myself, it's going to be with Booker. Uh, Def is going to be with Booker.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm on the Willet kick right now. I'm drinking a lot of Willet. Mm. Single really? single still. Yeah.
1: Also, also another one that's good for the price point is Woodford.
0: Yeah, Woodford's a little too thin for me. It's really, a, it's a little too thin.
1: And I and I got to thank the guys in Zach's band for that because we used to drink that by the gallon over there. That and the uh, and and the uh, cigars, man. And after the show, we just they would just bring out just.
0: You know. Oh, uh, yeah. That. That's. That that is the life, right there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could. I, sure. I, I actually, the last time we we actually had a, a physical hang, it was uh, when you were when you were touring with Zach, and I, we were smoking cigars out in the parking lot uh, in Hershey. We didn't That's have the right. bourbon, unfortunately. But that was that
1: was that was the last time I saw Pepka, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed that dude. Yeah, me too, man. All right. He's a good guy. You could have a dinner party. And you can invite any three living people on the face of the earth. Who would those three people be?
1: (sighs) Jordan Peterson. Uh, My band director. Just because I'd like to see them go at it. They're polar opposites and uh, hmm. not sure i couldn't say i didn't say living maybe winton
0: okay that'd be a good dinner party um you're gonna invite uh three additional people but they are people from history they're people that are no longer in the land of the living same dinner? Same dinner.
1: Definitely have to put Coltrane in there. Um, what am I getting? Young in there. And C.S. Lewis. Mm,
0: okay. Some interesting uh, interesting talk there. Young would be... Uh, lot of, a lot
1: of spiritual stuff going on yeah, in that conversation.
0: Exactly, yeah. Okay, lacquer plated or raw...
1: For the horns, um, I like, I like raw. Um, they all have their, 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 I think I have a brilliant sound. So I go for lacquer. Okay. I prefer lacquer and that was Maynard's trip too. He always preferred lacquer horns cause he, he had, he knew his sound was bright and he wanted to have a warmer sound. So with the lacquer, you have more weight on the horn. It deadens the horn a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, raw would be obviously the lightest. And, and the most brilliant, um, and I have one. I have a beautiful horn that Bach made for me. Uh, that's raw brass, but for that reason, it, I wanted to have zinc because it's a it's a bit of a darker horn. It's it's a 65 bell on a 38 body. It's a huge horn, so it needs a little bit of zip to it. But I mean, my 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 horn, my 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 workhorse, which is my Con AB, b that's lacquer. Yeah, you know, even though I could get a silver one, I, I prefer. The versatility of being able to warm it up with the lacquer. Yeah. Mouthpiece gold plated them.
0: All right. What's your favorite quote?
1: Favorite quote, man. I just posted one that was pretty awesome. My Voltaire. That's my that's that's what I've been vibing on. Roughly uh, paraphrasing it's if it, if it, it, uh, if anyone who can make you believe policies will make you commit atrocities basically is what it is yeah you know in the current climate that we live in we have to be careful what uh what we listen to who we listen to and if we fall for it then we might be in the uh process of making some huge mistakes you know so yeah, we have to look at things from the heart from a spiritual sense
0: that's very true very true all right uh what's your greatest fear
1: My greatest fear? Not having done enough to help others.
0: Okay. Um, You are going to be granted one superpower. What would it be?
1: (laughs) One superpower?
0: One superpower. Gosh.
1: I know, man. Give me some of that Wolverine healing factor. I'm all about that. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. Um, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated?
1: The upper register.
0: Okay. What aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most underrated?
1: A good, clean, pristine trumpet sound. There's too many people going on opposite directions. I I believe that the trumpet has a certain sound um, that has a thick, rich core, but has brilliance to it as well. And I hear either brilliance or core with no brilliance at all or completely muddled sounds. You know, some of the jazz guys are kind of going off the deep end trying to make things sound darker and darker, but it just sounds diffused to me. The most beautiful sound to me is is, is that of, of a pristine, full sound, all the overtones with some brilliance to it, like Freddie, like Doc, Doc Simonson, the gorgeous sound. Maynard, <clears throat> Maynard Live had a gorgeous sound. It, it's unfortunate that, I don't know why, but it was never able to be captured properly. So Maynard was one of those things that if you got a, you got a glimpse of it in recordings, but it was something else to hear it live. Yeah. Because the man had a huge sound, huge, you know, and I, maybe he's just recording equipment. Can't capture all of all of it because it was huge. But I've never heard anybody sound like that. Yeah. Nobody. And I've stood next to all of them and none of them come close to him. The amount of volume he would produce, the sound was as big as a wall. I mean, cover a whole section. Uh, but it had also that sparkle. It was just that sparkliness, you know, it wasn't a tinny, small sound, like some people would have you believe. So yeah, just having that type of sound full core with brilliance to it. That's what I think. When I think trumpet, that's, that's the image that I get in my head.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, You're able to go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be?
1: Don't lose sight of who you are.
0: Okay. And while you're there, you're going to give yourself one piece of advice about life.
1: Don't compromise for anybody.
0: Okay. And finally, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: I want people to know that um, my main purpose in life was to bring joy to others, um, whether it's through my music or through whatever other thing you know, through intellectual conversation, through jokes, shenanigans. I for for I, I want people to, to be okay, no matter what,
0: yeah.
1: and and I try to do my best. To do that for people so i want people to know that at the end that's all i ever wanted for for anybody that came into my life was for them to be a better person for having known me all
0: right well my friend i have to say that i certainly feel my life is better uh having met you and uh, i really appreciate our friendship and um you know i i really miss talking with you Uh, and, (laughs) you you know, uh, we, we've had some great times in the past and I know we're going to have some great times in the future. Um, so I really appreciate you taking time to share your thoughts and your experiences with, with me and with the listeners and the viewers, uh, since we're in two different formats. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's it, seriously, man, you know, your, your love for music comes through and everything and, um, you know, y- you do make it a better place for us all. So, so thanks. And just, you know, keep up the good work, man. Keep fighting the fight. Thank you, Jose.
1: I appreciate the kind words, and and, and uh, that's uh, that's very comforting to know. And, and I appreciate our friendship throughout the years and uh, the jokes, you oh, <laughs> know, all the, all the late night messing around and, uh, and and sharing of stories and whatnot. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come and be able to talk to you and your audience and, and share a little bit about myself. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe some of it will make sense to somebody and help them out.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean that's all we can hope for at the end of the day you know like you yeah, said make, yeah. making the world a little bit better just because we're here so yeah. I hope that uh, you enjoyed this episode and uh, yeah, if you need to get a hold of Seraphim you can find him on Instagram you can find him mm. on Facebook uh, you can find him on the street corner that's uh, right <laughs> Take care of business. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I am happy to find out that I just found out that uh, Netflix now has uh, rights to all of the Chappelle shows. So, uh, so they're making more money, Dave. Yeah. They making money, money, money. So uh, I'm happy.
1: I'm happy for that, man.
0: Yeah. Oh man. He
1: deserves it. They put him through the ringers, you know?
0: yeah yeah some uh some some great uh some great humor fodder right there so uh anyway thank you all for spending some time with us and if you ever need any questions answered about ways that you might be able to to get yourself uh you know your chop straightened after you have some problems uh certainly reach out to Seraphin. uh i know he does uh skype lessons and things like that so uh you know, and keep an eye out for his upcoming projects, uh, particularly uh, the, uh, the educational stuff that, that uh, he was talking about earlier in the episode, because I know it's going to be some real serious stuff that'll really help you out. So, with that being said, as always, peace and slide grease. We're out. Hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for The Trumpet Life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, And all other music comes courtesy of the greatest funeral ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound. And I'll see you at the next hang.